Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. This week's episode, entitled Magna Cum Laude, takes us back to my university, where I'm engaged in an epic battle with a mean-spirited administrator who attempts to both sabotage my future marriage and deny my graduating with honors. It's touch and go as to who prevails. Magna Cum Laude. It is the beginning of my junior year at Boston University. I'm sitting outside the office of Miss Ciccarello, the registrar of the university, waiting for a meeting that does not bode well for me. The results might even have an impact on my future marriage plans. My fiancée, Lisa, is quite the genius. Straight A's, early induction into Phi Beta Kappa, the Honor Society, all sorts of other academic honors. Meanwhile, my academic career has been anything but stellar, which my future wife is completely unaware of. Because we plan to be married the day after graduation, with both of our extended families coming to Boston for the two ceremonies, if I don't pull off getting my grades together in time to graduate with her, the marriage may be off. The registrar is a short, plump, humorless woman. She comes out of her office and beckons me to the desk where she conducts business with students, laying down a large white index card, which turns out to be my permanent academic record. Then she points to the final exam grades of the last semester and in a harsh tone asks me to explain how it is that I missed four out of five final exams. She seems to be taking this very personally, I think, to myself. Then I explain that I didn't take the four finals because I was sick and have a written doctor's excuse explaining my condition. I also note that I'll be completing the four finals this semester within the next few weeks. What I don't tell her is that I have extreme test anxiety. I'm not a very disciplined student, using any excuse to avoid studying until an imminent midterm or final exam forces me to cram all that studying into a few days throwing my anxiety into overdrive. This approach worked in my introductory courses, but once I moved up to more advanced classes, it failed, as evidenced by my poor exam grades. In came the doctor's excuse plan. This new technique allowed me to leisurely take one of my missed exams every week or two the following semester, cram like hell for each, and thus far it's been a total success, all A's on my makeup exams. Miss Ciccarello curtly dismisses me. As I leave, she cautions again in an unnecessarily harsh tone. Mr. Lefebvre, do not let this happen again. It's like she's talking to a child or maybe some kind of criminal. Her warning is also deeply troubling because it is exactly what I plan to have happen again this coming term. It's my only hope of achieving high enough grades to both impress Lisa and her family and graduate alongside her. When my fiancé and I have coffee after I leave Miss Ciccarello, she inquires why I was meeting with her. Lisa, of course, is at the top of our class and is held in the highest regard by the registrar. I tell her that there is a grade recording error that I'm trying to straighten out, and after that, I change the subject by asking how her parents are doing. 
which leads me right back into deep water. She shares with me that a few months back, after I met them for the first time, they had concerns about our engagement, the most important being that I wasn't Jewish. I think they disguised their concern by asking her about my academic achievements. Lisa tells me that she assures them that I was very intelligent. Then she inquires, So, we never actually discussed your grades. Do you mind my asking what your GPA is? Now it's my turn to dodge. I say, let me work out the recording error with the registrar, then I'll give you an accurate number. Next, I foolishly throw in, but what I can tell you for sure is this. My final grade point will lead to my graduating with honors. I immediately think to myself, Greg, you're an idiot. Why did you promise that? She looks worried as we split up to head out for our different classes. As the semester progresses, I've noticed that Lisa too has test anxiety because she is convinced that she will fail each and every upcoming test. Her anxiety, however, leads her in exactly the opposite direction from mine. She simply studies more and more and gets perfect grades, while my anxiety leads me to miss and then make up more and more exams. As finals approach, nothing has changed about my MO, and once again I completely failed to keep up with my studies. Now I'm forced to revert to my doctor's excuse plan. I cram like mad for the first final, which I get an A on, then get my medical excuse for the other four missed finals, knowing full well that this will lead to a serious reckoning with Miss Chicarello. A few months pass, and my next meeting with the registrar is much like the first, except now she's even more hostile. When she shows me my academic record card, she points out that where the final grade is incomplete, a capital I is typed in front of where the grade will be entered, and then later, when the coursework is complete, a capital C is typed over the capital I, creating an inky blob. Of course, this is happening when there were only manual typewriters in use. My last semester's grades have a black blob in front of four of the final grades, all of which are A's, I'm proud to say. Mr. Lefebvre, I warned you last time not to repeat this pathetic charade, and now I see you've done exactly that. I will not abide your gaming the system again. If this happens at the end of your next semester, I will refuse to accept your grades, and you'll have to repeat each and every course the following semester, regardless of any medical note. She gives me a nasty smile as she finishes, like she'll take great pleasure in forcing me to repeat the semester. This would, of course, put off my graduation for a semester, killing my plans for graduating just before our marriage, embarrassing Lisa in front of the extended family, and creating a humiliating defeat for me. It most probably will prove fatal for our marriage. Knowing all this, I really make an effort to study as the new semester progresses, but I'm now so anxious about the situation that I'm studying less than ever. I even start medicating myself on a regular basis with both alcohol and weed to manage my stress. The next set of finals is a carbon copy of the last two. I cram for a week, then ace the first final and get my doctor's note. When I think ahead of the impending confrontation with the registrar, my blood runs cold. But I keep reassuring myself, Greg, you're a smart guy, you'll figure it out. Before the next meeting, I decide on two strategies. First, I meet her threat to make me redo the entire semester with a written request, delivered in a registered letter, that I graduate magna cum laude. I am entitled to do this with all my new A grades on my makeup finals, and I quote chapter and verse from the university's academic regulations to prove it. Secondly, 
I decide to bring Lisa along to the fateful meeting, hoping that because she is a star in the registrar's eyes, maybe knowing that we are engaged will somehow help my cause. The beginning of our senior year finds Lisa and I sitting side by side in the registrar's waiting room. I'm nervous as hell because I really don't have a concrete plan for how I will proceed. Chicarello enters from her inner sanctum, once again carrying my academic record card. After she sits down with some difficulty and looks from my wife with glowing admiration to me with a hint of a sneer, she asks somewhat incredulously, You two know each other? Yes, Miss Chicarello. We not only know one another, we're engaged to be married. Lisa smiles broadly at this point, but not Chicarello. She says, Really? And again, a nasty look crosses her face, this time combined with her making a sound as she slowly shakes her head from side to side. I thank God she really has it in for me. Then she stands up and says resolutely, Let me show you both something you should be aware of. And she goes back into her office, reappearing with my fiancé's academic record. She places our academic record cards in front of us, side by side, turned so that we can both read them. As she runs her finger up and down the grade columns of Lisa's record, all capital A's, one above another, she declares, This is a perfect record. It's a real thing of beauty. And I realize that she's not kidding. She really does find Lisa's record beautiful to look at. Next, she turns to my record with a grimace and runs her finger up and down the messy columns, almost every grade preceded by a black, inky blob. The effect of all this overtyping is to create a smudgy mess. As she points, she holds her hand well above the surface of my record to avoid sullying her fingertip. This record is a total disgrace, a filthy mess. In my 30 years as a registrar of the university, this is the ugliest record I've ever seen. And, young man, you will graduate magna cum laude over my dead body. You've made a complete travesty of our rules and regulations, and I will not have it. She then goes on to explain to my fiancé, in great detail, with a spate of negative observations, how I have cheated and gamed the system. I try to interject, but I have severe test anxiety, which she cuts off by the sheer force of her words. Finally, at the end of her recital of my misdeeds, she says, This is a marriage that cannot possibly work. At which point I gasp, and Lisa jumps up in tears and flees the office. Then it's my turn for some invective. I stand and lean forward on her desk, resting my weight on my straight arms and clenched fists. Over your dead body? Really? We'll see about that. Firstly, you're wrong. Every move I made was within the bounds of your rules and regulations. So I plan on meeting with the Dean of Academic Affairs and presenting him with a concise summary of all the mean-spirited and unfair ways that you've mistreated me. I will also tell him that if need be, I'll retain a lawyer. Secondly, you've broken your own rules by releasing my confidential academic information about my grades to my fiancé, something that you actually seem to take pleasure in doing and that may have irreparably damaged my future marriage. At this point, she stands up and rushes back to her inner sanctum, slamming the heavy mahogany door behind her. Now I'm left sitting angry and alone. The next day... My visit to the academic dean turns out to be a walk in the park. As soon as I mention retaining a lawyer, along with the irreparable damage to my relationship with my future wife, 
caused by Ms. Ciccarello's willful release of my confidential academic information, he stops me. Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Lefebvre, but there's no need for you to continue. I'm sorry for this whole misunderstanding. You will be graduating magna cum laude. There is no impediment to that as far as I'm concerned, and I will be speaking to Miss Ciccarello. I have to resist jumping up and yelling, yes, and pumping my fist in the air. It takes some time for my magna cum laude status to be finalized, but when it is, Lisa forgives me for the whole mess. And of course, she knows only the half of it. Spring arrives, and both our families converge on Boston for the two ceremonies, no one the wiser about my academic success or lack thereof. I do take a little ribbing from certain uncles about my graduating magna cum laude next to Lisa's summa cum laude. After it's all over, I can't resist mailing Miss Ciccarello a photograph that my father took at our graduation. It features Lisa and I in our BU Red academic gowns, wearing our black mortar boards, holding high our rolled diplomas in a victory salute. On the back of the photo, I use a black sharpie to write the word vinceremos, a Latin word meaning to overcome. And then just before it, I make a capital C on top of a capital I, creating a nice inky blob. Impulsive Storyteller is written by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kakoma, who has also composed this week's music and made our theme song. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you would leave a review, that would be fantastic. Follow the show on Instagram at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you don't like this one, the next one will be another story. Mm-hmm.